Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 30 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friends. Way back in the beginning of the year, oh my gosh, it seems so long ago, and it really wasn't. But in episode 24, we, in addition to talking about the importance of letting go of the how in terms of our biggest visions and goals and how those were going to come about, I shared that this year I'd invite you kind of behind the scenes of my life introducing you to people who have made me who I am and to and who continue to support me on my personal journey of supporting you. Episodes 25 and 26 were interviews with Jacob Froats. He's a digital marketing expert and my personal human filter on all things marketing. Episodes 27 and 28 were interviews with John Guywitz, a business advisor who talked about the importance of understanding your financials, how to learn about them, and the value of looking at your business through the eyes of a buyer, even if you never plan to sell it. Episode 29 was an interview with Sharon Williams, who literally lived, has lived, and continues to live a life of service and now mentors others who are doing the same. She gave us insight into some of the common questions leaders have on their journey, and more important, she even answers them for you on the podcast. Each of these interviews were extremely valuable for social entrepreneurs of all kinds because they spoke directly to you and for you. Their perspectives and insights from life and business, they come from years of experience and each of them has taken time to learn about you and your unique role balancing people and profit, as well as supporting the emotional and spiritual needs of those that you serve. If you missed any of those, I highly encourage you to go back and check them out after this one. You do not want to miss this episode. By far and away, the one word that makes more social entrepreneurs, whether missional entrepreneurs, change makers, businesses mission, business for transformation, whatever you call yourself, the one word that makes people cringe more than any other is sales. So you became a social entrepreneur or change maker because you love people, yet you must generate revenue, aka make sales, to grow and make scalable impact. So whether that's selling products and services or acquiring investors or financial partners. Today, we are so fortunate to speak to an expert in another area that is a mindset challenge for those in the entire spectrum of social enterprise from nonprofit to full profit, a full on profit, and that is 
sales. We are keeping the year going with an interview with another one of my trusted friends. This time, it's all about the mindset around sales and how to keep going when others stop. Our guest, Stephen Ross, is a realtor. He sells real estate. For those of you that realtor is a kind of a strange concept. He's a national speaker, transformational coach, online course creator, and an author. He's literally lived his adult life doing door-to-door sales. He's knocked on well over 125,000 doors. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) So he knows a thing or two about perseverance and discipline, even when it feels like nothing is happening. Fun fact, like many of you, he is also an introvert. He would much rather be alone than with a group of people. I met Stephen last year at a week-long certification for transformational coaching. And in this ballroom of big personalities and super successful people, Stephen was always the one to notice the one. He had the gift of recognizing the one person in the room who was really stretching his or herself, and he would commend them for that. And he did it by shining a spotlight on them, but in a healthy way. And though he would bring another to the attention of the group, Stephen was never like himself in the light, so to speak. He just had this gift of elevating others publicly without drawing attention to himself. Such a gift, such a gift. So Stephen would catch me sneaking out every now and then to be alone and to recharge and would gently drag me back in with at least a small group of people. Then, you know, over the years going door to door, Stephen has mastered the art of making people feel comfortable and at ease, as well as his own mindset. And he's here to share some of his guidance and wisdom with us today. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. I think uh, I'm going to cry after that introduction. That was very thoughtful and I super appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so easy to introduce. (laughs) I mean, every word of it. So Stephen, can you, the word, I mentioned this in uh, in the intro, the word realtor in different parts of the world is kind of like the concept of an attorney. It has a different name, like a solicitor or, so when we talk about being a realtor, we mean selling real estate. So how did you get into selling real estate or into the real estate business and kind of how has your career evolved to where it is now? Yeah. You know, I started my whole life was, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a family that was, um, we were middle class, but my dad was an accountant and then he was an executive at a company and he moved from accounting to sales. He's also introverted, but he learned how to sell. He would say he's not the best salesman. He's okay. He did okay. (laughs) But then most of my life, he had his own businesses and I worked for him. So I learned what it was like to run and own a business. And I think that is an important piece because then when I graduated from college, I went and worked, you know, for big companies. I worked for consulting firms. I worked for large insurance companies. I worked for the NASDAQ, the American Stock Exchange as clients with Ernst & Young. So I'd seen a lot of cool stuff at the big scale, but I came from grassroots. How do you how are you going to make payroll next week? How are you going to pay your bills mm-hmm. next week? And when I decided to get in real estate in 2000, the end of 2004, 2005, the real estate market, and I lived in Southern California, and in Southern California, which is in you know, Los Angeles, 
most people refer to Los Angeles. It's very flashy, it's very expensive, and real estate is a big thing. Buying and selling homes is a real, you know, people want to own their home. There's a lot of fanfare around selling homes. And if you looked on any of the streaming services, there's lots of TV shows about mm -hmm. selling real estate. So it's become a very big thing in the US. And I forgot how we started the question, but I got into real estate because I was done being in the corporate world and my third child was just about to be born and I wanted to be home and raise my kids. So I wanted to mm -hmm. figure out how, how can I be home and still have a business with no employees? I didn't want to have employees, mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to work for myself. And real estate is one of those professions where you can do that, fortunately. On the other hand, there's no paycheck. You only get paid if you sell something. And it's much, it seems easier than it really is. It really is kind of hard to get clients and have people trust you. And then you've got to learn how to actually do it. And so the very beginning, the first couple of months, I was a pretty smart guy. I was fortunate to go to a good college and I'd worked for some big professional firms and I got paid a pretty good salary. But now none of that mattered in real estate. So everything I used to do has no relevance in a sense because you only got paid if you went and talked to people who then wanted to buy and sell property. And it wasn't going so well. <laughs> and I had these three kids to feed and I had a coach and he said, you can knock on heads, which is, you know, you go out and talk to people through your network and all that stuff. But remember, I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people. Or you can go knock on doors. Like you can do that. You can actually go to people's doors and talk to them because certainly in many parts of the U.S., definitely in Southern California, right? There's all these big neighborhoods and there's all these people home and you can knock on their door and talk to them about real estate. And that's what I did. And forget how you started the question. That's kind of how I got into it. And then once I started, I just never stopped. And if anyone's probably no one's seen the movie Forrest Gump, where he runs in the scene, there's this character and he runs from one end of the country to the other end of the country to the other. I mean, he just keeps running. And I was kind of like Forrest Gump. I just figured once I start, I'm just not going to stop because that's how I'm going to feed my kids. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's about this is a relationship business and you can meet people anywhere. And mm -hmm. you know how that translates really in any business you're never really convincing people to do something. You're trying to find people, right? We're trying to find people who are fit for what we're offering. And that requires, in a sense, selling. But really, it means you've just got to go out and talk to people and find who your clients are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a lot. We kind of, I went a lot of different places. So feel free. Yeah, to no, that was, that was great. That was, that's incredible. I want to talk more about where you are now. But before we go there, something that's really important that I think a lot of people need to hear about is how you manage your mindset with so much responsibility at home. And the reason is because even if social entrepreneurs or missional entrepreneurs, even if they, they, some of them have children, but even if they don't have children, 
let's say they're in their 20s, a lot of them have responsibility at home to take care of their parents or their grandparents or their aunts and uncles. So whether it's children, it's somebody in their family that they have a huge responsibility for. And when you're starting any business, whether it's real estate or, or selling anything, there's no one else, as you said, no one else is writing a paycheck. You've got to do it yourself. So can you talk to our listeners about how you manage your mindset and kind of what you did to keep going when sales weren't happening and you had three children that you had to feed and a wife? Yeah. Well, I don't think we have three hours to dissect that. <laughs> That's probably a whole nother book. A whole nother, nother book. Let's just say, let's see if we can break it down into a couple of steps. The first is, but we can't do everything. I had one of my very first mentors says, you can't do everything. When would you do it? <laughs> right? And you got to let that sink in. It doesn't make any sense, but it makes a lot of sense. There's always way more to do than we could ever get done. Mm-hmm. So the goal every day is not to get everything done. The goal is to be clear what's most important and make sure you do that. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking care of family, the most important thing is to take care of your family. Whatever time that's required leaves you with maybe six hours. Let's say it leaves you with six hours in the day. So you have six hours to work. You don't have all day. You don't have eight hours. You don't have 10 hours. You have six. What's the most important thing you have to do during that six hours? And for most businesses, it's selling. It's not getting business, it's finding business, mm-hmm. nurturing business. And so that's the first thing you have to do every day. And for some people, that's all they do all day. You know, if you have a business partner or an employee that's handling the business, making stuff happen, then your job is to just go get business or find business or however you want to phrase it. And there's almost nothing you can do, now making this simple, there's always exceptions, but pe- people get the gist of this. I think they can, it can translate. There's nothing you can do to make people buy or sell mm. or buy. But you know, in real estate, you can't make a buyer buy and you can't make a seller sell. They've got to get there on their own. And your job is just to continually stay in front of people and find out, do you have a solution to their problems Mm -hmm. is what you're doing solve their problems and sometimes it doesn't that's okay then you just make a friend there's a very famous man zig ziglar you can't make a sale make a friend and you can always make friends and sometimes those friends turn into sales and you're not making friends to make sales you're making friends because we're human beings and it's great it feels good to connect and help people Mm-hmm. So this gets back to my point. If you only have six hours a day, and the most important thing is finding people who are going to help you, your job is just to go serve people mm-hmm. and to listen. And that's the thing we can always do in any conversation we're having with someone in any language, in any circumstance, mm-hmm. is to hear what's happening for the other person. And when you make that your mission, then you win every day. So you don't have to worry, did I make a sale today? It's, did I make a friend, so to speak? I'm keeping this very simple. Like I'm not, 
Yeah. Say, but I need to make a sale. I understand. I got to feed my kids. I understand. But if you can create a process as simple as, well, you are in the same business, but in my business, if you stay in touch with people and remind, and they're clear you're competent at what you're doing, then when they have a need, they will call you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they don't know you, they're likely not going to call you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to call you. Mm-hmm. I'm always coming to people and asking, do you want to sell your house? Do you want to sell your house? Do you want to sell your house? That's not really serving them. And they're going to be very annoyed. And they're going to think all I care is about making the dollar when they have the a need to buy or sell a house, they're not going to call me. Mm-hmm. So someone who's whatever position you're in, if you're in the position of, you know, I don't know what people's business are up, what they're doing right now, but when you're talking to investors or people that can help you, it's helping. You know, the other great line is if you help enough people, you know, if you want to really get what you want, you know, help enough people get what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, it becomes, again, just so simple. You just go out and help people every day. And you pay attention to what's happening. And you will find the people that need to help you in your business. Mm-hmm. Again, that's I know that's really simple. And that sounds a little airy-fairy. That may not translate, but... It sounds like, well, but that's not really deliberate enough. So I don't know. Well, you tell me what's what's missing for people to hear that in a different way. Want to know how you can use your natural skills, personality, and talent to create the social enterprise of your dreams? Find out how to design a life-giving, sustainable, scalable impact business based on your social entrepreneur style with my What's your social entrepreneur style quiz? Whether you're dreaming of starting an impact business, already have a social enterprise and it's not as much fun as it used to be, or you have loads of experience and you want to make it better, I created a free 10-question quiz to help you gain more clarity about yourself and how to build or refine your social enterprise, not only to fit your style, but to find others who complement your style. Not only that, But with this newfound knowledge, you'll feel empowered to enhance your process instead of just focus on the results, which, let's face it, can take a while. To discover your social entrepreneur style, go to TriciaBaileyPhD.com and take two minutes to answer 10 really fun questions about yourself and your business. You'll immediately find out whether you're a passionate go-getter, meticulous analyst, supportive mediator, or enthusiastic influencer. Then I'll send goodies and guidance to your inbox specifically curated for your unique style. You'll also get this super fun, this is me graphic that you can share on social that shows your style and your strengths. Talk about free, easy, and non-sleazy self promo. Again, that's trishabaileyphd.com to find out your social entrepreneur style with my fun, fast, and free quiz. I think you said it perfectly because what we're talking about is your mindset and how you keep going when you have all this pressure at home and you have to feed your children and 
you have to, and no one's signing your paycheck. And so this is not about a technique. This is about a mindset. And I think what you said is so important that if you look at serving others and making friends with your customers or with donors and investors, then if you look at it like that, then it's not sales. And what you said is so important that you can't make people buy something. You can't make people buy or sell something. And, you know, I think there's some old, maybe 90s marketing out there about creating a problem or, you know, creating a need (laughs) for someone. And that's just, it's just so not true. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And when I think about how I feel about going out and putting myself out there, you know, with, with social entrepreneurs, especially their beneficiaries, the people who work for them are so important and the artisans and their staff, those are the people that they consider to be in service to. But if they look at customers, financial partners, investors, if they look at them as people that they can be in service to, then your mindset issue is solved because it's not sales, it's really service. Yeah. And if you're selling, um, you know, if you were selling pens every Mm -hmm. day, it's pretty clear you probably could go out and sell pens every day Mm -hmm. and you can make a sell every day. And so it's very easy to get focused on just the result. I'm going to sell pens. Mm -hmm. However, when you sell something like when you're looking for investors or when you sell something that's not required by someone every day, uh, you can't really make a sale every day. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say at the end of the day, well, today didn't produce anything. I didn't make Mm -hmm. any sales. And that's not the point. You, the point is to be clear what you're supposed to do every day, have a process and follow it. And when you do that every day, then every day is a win. When every mm-hmm. day it's about serving others and you go out and you did that, you go, check, good day. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying attention, you learn at getting better. You learn how to listen better. You learn how to interact with people better. You learn to uncover when you're talking to someone and they say something and then you got distracted. And you think at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, that person was trying to tell me something and I totally missed it. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you start to tune into how can I serve people? How can I listen to people better? You become more valuable because actually what's missing, and I don't think it's just in this country, what's, what's missing is no one knows how to listen. Mm-hmm. So when you're with another person and they feel like you're really listening and you really actually care about them, that's invaluable. That's priceless. And people want to be around those people and people want to do business with those people. So true. People want to be heard. I think people a lot of people, people feel like they're silent and they're, they're not silent, but it's not that they're not trying to talk. They just feel unheard. Like, And when you can make those people feel heard, that's huge because, and that's, that's not just about, it just goes back to serving people and making them feel good and valuable. Yeah. And one of the things we're going to circle back to, but what you talk about when someone knows you, then they're going to call you. So no matter what you're doing, what you're selling, what your product or service is, if someone needs something, if they need a referral to someone, if they know you, or even if they need your product or service, if they know you, you're the trusted person 
they're, you're going to be the one that they call. Hopefully. Hopefully. There's this saying, right? Know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. People do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. It's actually, I think it's the reverse order. The, The order is not quite correct. I think it's actually, they know, they have some awareness that you are someone who could solve my problem. And two, that they trust that you could solve their problem. Mm-hmm. Cause even if they don't like you, if they know yeah. you and trust you, they're still probably going to call you. Yes. Yes. I think like is a little iffy. As long as you're not a jerk, mm-hmm. you have to be like a bull mm-hmm. uh, or I should say not a jerk. If you're not a jerk, <laughs> they know you, they trust you and you're not a jerk. Mm-hmm. Odds are they're going to do bit, you know, they're going to call yeah. you. I know it's a little in the weeds, but I think that's true because think about people you've had to do business with and you you either knew them or you knew someone who knew them and you felt confident that they could do the work. You were still unsure whether you liked them or not. Maybe there was something about their personality or whatever. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really the design. It was the first two. Mm-hmm. And it could be, I mean, there's other combinations. All I'm saying is, Having an awareness, which means you've got to get out and talk to people. And people have to know who you are. And two, they've got to trust you. And they're going to trust you if you're not always serving your own interests. Mm-hmm. If you really are out to serve others, they're going to feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. Part of and, the trust process. And that comes across. People know that, right? People get that. They perceive that. They could tell when you're doing something to serve them versus serving yourself. Have you ever done the muscle testing exercise? You've done that. Have you done the muscle testing with your, with any of your Yes. Group? Yes. Do you do the one with thinking about a goal for yourself and then thinking a goal for that serves others. Uh-huh. Oh, I haven't done that? that one yet. I know I haven't done that if one yet. Think about a goal. So if I think about, I, I just did this five times this week with different audiences. Uh-huh. And I, I say, all right, think of a goal that just serves you. Mm-hmm. And usually they're thinking about an income goal, but you know, whatever it is, and um, their arm will test weak. It'll go right down. Mm-hmm. And then they put their arm back up and I say, okay, now think about the goal and how it helps and serves others. Mm-hmm. And then once they got it, I tested their arms strong, right? They were, mm-hmm. you know. So our body knows when we're being self-serving versus serving others. Yeah. Uh, there is a literal integrity issue in our physiology. Yeah. So interesting. So if you're listening to this, then you might want to catch the YouTube video so you can see what Stephen is doing. But muscle testing is a kind of a concept. There's a lot of science behind it, but it basically is what Stephen said. Your body knows what is best for you. And you can hold your arm out to the side. And when he says it'll test weak, that means if you think of something that's not truly for you or the best for you, your arm will just go straight down. But if it's something that is good for you, your body knows it and your your arm will stay strong. It'll stay up. It's really incredible. So Stephen, you mentioned talking to people four or five times or do, doing muscle testing this week. Tell us about how you got from selling real estate, literally knocking on 125,000 doors to where you are now. It's a very long journey and I don't even know that I've arrived <laughs> <laughs> I'm in front so, of more people and how about uh, that? But uh, yeah. there's no arriving. That's the other piece. 
So I think what what would be helpful for people to understand is how do you go from doing something that you don't really want to do, you get your mindset right, you kind of master it, and then it catapults you to other things that you may or may not have have expected. This isn't quite answering your question, but I think it really is the best answer. When I started knocking on doors, a couple of things. One, I hated it. Mm -hmm. Two, I was terrified of it. And three, I was very bad at it. Like really not good. (laughs) Not good at all. (laughs) So I had everything going for me, you could say. Other than I didn't quit. And so what Mm -hmm. happened, and then... I would knock on doors and, and year and year and year, year in, year out. And then when I moved to Colorado, I kept doing it. And for many years, it seemed like not much was happening. Mm. That's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we're taking the, I'm taking this action. I don't like it. I was getting better at it. And in the moment of every day, it feels like nothing's happening. It's like building the pyramids one brick every day. Mm. Right. And after mm-hmm. I don't know how many bricks are in the pyramid, thousands, mm-hmm. well, we yeah. guess we're just going to make it up. But yeah. everyone can imagine the pyramids in Egypt mm-hmm. and every day you laid one brick. And after a couple of years, you wouldn't be very far. And, and every day you did it, you're like, what difference did that make? Because mm-hmm. it feels like it's no difference, but every brick is important. To get to the next step, you don't do the brick, you don't get on to the next step. You don't go out and knock on doors today. If you don't go out and talk to people today, if you don't go out and do whatever it is you're supposed to do, you don't get to, you don't get anywhere. You'll never build the pyramid. You only build the pyramid over time. So over time, over 15 years of knocking on doors, miracles happened. Besides doing business, which obviously was a main goal, I got better at talking to people. Mm-hmm. I'm masterful about what happens in real estate because when you're walking through neighborhoods every day and talking to people every day, you see and hear stuff that you just would never hear otherwise. Your pattern recognition gets better. I can walk into any neighborhood and immediately be dialed into how that neighborhood works, who lives there, all of it, all of the details. And um, and then finally, what I also learned is that There's lots of people who could make money in real estate. Many of them make, you know, they have a good year or two. And then there's a few that have many good years. But all of them couldn't do what I did. They couldn't just come up with a process and stick to it day in, day out. They were so hooked on the immediate gratification, seeing the Mm -hmm. result. And the power that I have and the reason why I can get in front of people and talk to them is because I've done hard things for a long time and learned and become and and have grown through the process so that I have some perspective of what it takes to persevere over time. Mm -hmm. So when I started knocking on doors in 2005, it seemed like nothing was happening because nothing really was in a sense but it was laying the bricks of the pyramid. I can't help anyone from the bottom Mm. pyramid. I can only help after I've built the bricks up and I can help people come along as to what's required along the journey. And so if you're, you know, wherever you are, if you are just starting, 
it's going to feel hard and it's going to feel like you're not making any progress and it's going to feel most of the time you're going to feel like quitting. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you get further along that you have any perspective that you've made any difference. Mm -hmm. And you just have to have faith that you're on the right path. Yeah. We talk about this in, um, I do a workshop a couple of times a year, free workshop called Five Mindset Pitfalls to Avoid in Social Entrepreneurship. And that is one that's actually, I think the number one thing, the number one mindset pitfall is nothing is happening. And exactly what you said is so true. We talk about, especially in developing communities, I talk about things, it's happening. Miracles are happening. They're just micro miracles. It's kind of like they're so small, your mind can't even perceive they're happening. And so I think it's important for our listeners to hear that this is not about just in up and coming communities. This is a universal concept where when you're getting started with something, especially when it's something hard, something that you have a lot of fear and angst around, something you know you need to do, it can truly feel like nothing is nothing is happening. So I think it's good for people to understand that this is not just about their community. This is one of those universal principles. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, and you're welcome. And the other thing in from our mutual, you know, how we met is through Jack Canfield. And I don't know if he created this phrase or not, but that's where I heard it, which is, you know, you only develop courage by surviving a risk. Mm -hmm. Or you could say confidence or any of it. Like until you do something hard and scary, you'll have no ability to deal with hard and scary things. Like you have Mm -hmm. to actually go do it. So if it's hard to move your business forward because you don't know what to do or because it feels like the people you have to talk to are, you're un, you're scared about it or you're unfamiliar, you know, you have to do it. Otherwise, you'll ne- you can't get better. You can't have the courage. You don't get the courage first. You get the courage and confidence after you've done it, mm-hmm. you can say. It's after, yeah. So if yeah. you want to be cur- courageous and confident, you got to go do it. So you have to, that's yeah. why they say that, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that phrase is right, but in a way, you actually do get the confidence as you pull through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're not going to die talking to someone that we're scared. You know, just nothing bad's going to happen. We're not going to physically mm-hmm. for most of us. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I have gone to people's doors and they've opened them up and they're, they have a gun right there in their holster. And, you know, it was possible. Knock on wood, nothing. You know, nothing. <laughs> It's so it's and it's even as simple as with children, you you never want to clean your room, but you do it first and the feeling follows. The feeling of gratitude, the feeling of of courage. You have to do it first. Take action yeah. first. Such incredible insight from Stephen Ross, author of Doors Open When You Knock. Stephen shared so much wisdom. Not just about sales, but about navigating life as a leader and entrepreneur and being a parent in a really high-performance career of door-to-door sales. Isn't he just one of the easiest people to listen to? So many of the principles that for success that Stephen talked about, they just apply to all of us as avant-garde entrepreneurs, no matter our role in social enterprise or the types of beneficiaries we serve or the customers that we have. And he's got a lot more to say. So I'm pushing pause on this interview with Stephen and we'll pick back up in episode 31. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss what he shares next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.